Hello, and welcome to the Cityscape Intelligence Podcast. I'm your host, Tanisha Naidu, and in today's episode, we're talking about London's commercial real estate. London has faced its share of challenges over the past century, from the influenza pandemic, the blitz, and endured several financial meltdowns. But time and again, the British capital has reinvented itself. When the COVID-19 pandemic hit earlier this year, though, it turned a once vibrant city into a ghost town, driving millions of people out of the city centre and its financial district. Today, even as certain businesses emerge out of lockdown, many workers are still confined to their homes as trends around agile working and the desire for more flexible office space come into the fore. So, what will the pandemic mean for London's sprawling collection of corporate headquarters? Is it fair to say that commercial real estate is under threat? I spoke to Faisal Durrani, head of London Commercial Research at Knight Frank, who dismissed the suggestion that the office is dead and instead painted an optimistic picture about what the future of the office sector in London will look like and how investors will respond. The impact of COVID-19 is clear in our latest data points that we've been looking at. So if we look at what happened, say, in the investment market during the second quarter, investment volumes for London came in just shy of £600 million. And to put that into context, our quarterly average is usually somewhere in the region of £3.5 billion. So it's quite clear that the global travel restrictions have hampered the ability of investors to visit London and the UK and also for businesses and investors to carry out property inspections. And as I say, that has been reflected in the data points. However, as the lockdown restrictions have started to ease, we have seen an increase in interest in investing in London's commercial office market from international investors. And if we think about the leasing market, In the second quarter, we had 1.3 million square feet of office space transacted. And in a usual quarter, it's about 3.3 million square feet. So again, we've had a substantial fall in the long-term average. And and actually, in terms of leasing, this is the weakest quarter we've got on record. However, I think it's probably important to caveat and say, for nine out of the 12 weeks of Q2, the market has essentially been closed because of the lockdown restrictions. So the fact that we have achieved what we have in terms of leasing and investment is a sign that there is underlying demand. And yes, a lot of the activity you'd probably class as legacy deals that were in train prior to the epidemic. But nonetheless, businesses have proceeded with committing to space given the the supply shortage in our market and investors have proceeded to secure assets as well. Well, there has been quite a debate around whether the office space is under threat. Is this a fair statement and will we start to see companies review their property requirements, downsizing in favour of smaller offices or perhaps opting for a more hybrid office home approach? I mean, undoubtedly, with the COVID-19 epidemic, businesses are going to take a look at their portfolios and there will probably be a greater emphasis on home working or allowing staff to work from home more often. One of the things that we did recently was take a look at the amount of office space that's required 
per employee in order to achieve a two-meter social distancing separation in London. And that number amounts to 135 square feet per person. And looking at the city and breaking it up into its three main markets in the West End, currently there's about 160 square feet of space available per person. And obviously there would be big differences between industries and businesses. So this is just a general average. In the city, we're in the region of 124 square feet available per person. And somewhere like Canary Wharf, we come in in the low hundreds. So you can see for those two markets, they come in far lower than than the minimum requirement. And in theory, if we extrapolated that, if everybody were to go back into the office tomorrow and be required to maintain that two meter separation, you would need somewhere in the region of 10 million square feet of office space. However, given the current economic climate, it's unlikely that businesses will be looking to increase their office footprints in the near term just to accommodate social distancing requirements. What we do think will happen is that there is likely to be a greater focus on the flexible office market. Now, of course, that is one segment of the market that has been impacted the hardest by what has happened, particularly those serviced office centers that are reliant on daily traffic and footfall. You know, those underlying businesses have retreated back into their homes and canceled their direct debits. And so it has had a big impact. But if we look at What's happened in Asia, for example, we see countries there now coming out of this and entering their own versions of new normal. And we're seeing that businesses are actually turning to the flexible office market to help them manage their staff density challenges. And if we translate that back into our market here in London, our own flexible offices team, for example, has seen a rise in the number of businesses looking for flexible office space as they are concerned about delays in construction and fit-outs caused by the epidemic. And I guess the other factor to think about is the fact that in London, the average commute time is 73 minutes each way. And so a lot of people live outside the centre of the city and commute into town. We haven't had any concrete examples of this yet, but what we do think is there might at least temporarily be an increase in demand for serviced office accommodation in some key commuter towns around London as businesses try to establish formal touchdown points for staff. Because if COVID-19 has taught us anything over the last 18 weeks or so, it's that the place and need for a formal work environment has been reinforced and underscored. You know, working at home is fine, but I'm sure we've all come across challenges around having reliable broadband and full bars on our mobile phones. And as human beings, we crave face-to-face interactions and joint experiences. So it's important that we retain those. That is probably going to be one of the changes that comes out of the epidemic. Well, what are some of the other trends that we're seeing now in the London office? Has COVID-19 accelerated some of the underlying trends that were there in 2019? Absolutely. There were a number of trends that were in train prior to the epidemic. One of the big ones was around the importance of partnerships. In our market, we are supply starved on the office side of things. That context, about half of everything under construction commercially in London is already committed. It's been pre-let. That's been driven by the fact that businesses have been rushing to secure space ahead of completion of schemes because they have been concerned about the inability to find space when the time comes. And 
With that in mind, we've seen an increase, for example, in businesses working more closely with developers and landlords during the design stage of buildings in order to deliver buildings that match their customized requirements. And that stems from the fact that we've got a global war for talent and London is no exception to this. And businesses are trying to mitigate this issue by occupying the best office space they possibly can in order to attract and retain staff. And in fact, when we ran our 2020 London Landlord and Investor Survey at the beginning of February, the number one issue being highlighted by businesses to landlords was the issue around the war for talent. As I say, we've had examples where businesses have worked with landlords and developers And what this creates is a win-win situation on both sides. So you have landlords who are able to then secure longer lease terms because they're delivering customized space to the businesses and businesses are willing to pay a slight premium in order to have that specialist customized space for them. You know, it works well on both sides. But in the context of COVID-19, if we extrapolate that theme of partnerships, the UK government passed a coronavirus bill at the start of the pandemic, which essentially grants a moratorium on forfeiture. So what that means is businesses are exempt from paying their rents. It's not a rent holiday because the rents are still due at a later date before the current lease term ends. However, it's very important for landlords to work with the underlying businesses to devise the new payment plans. So again, that importance of partnership between the business or the customer and the landlord is paramount. And that is something that has certainly been highlighted by COVID-19. Other trends that we were seeing prior to this were around environmental, social and governance issues or ESG. And again, there's an increased focus around that, as well as a focus on the importance of digital well-being, which we believe will be the next big thing. You're listening to the Cityscape Intelligence Podcast. If you're looking for more news and information about the real estate industry, please visit cityscape-intelligence.com where over the last few weeks, we've turned the spotlight on investing in Cyprus post-pandemic, looked at how office investors can pivot successfully in North America, and put Egypt's property sector under the microscope. Now, let's return to the second part of this interview, where we take a closer look at investors. Basil Durrani, head of London Commercial Research at Knight Frank, told me that over the last few weeks, there has been a rise of interest in London's commercial market from international investors as the city remains a global safe haven. Finally, we talked about how environmental social governance considerations will become quite the focus for investors in 2021. Looking at investors who have a focus on the London office sector, what are your thoughts on whether they will re-examine their investment strategies for later this year or 2021? As I said, one of the interesting things we've seen over the past few weeks is an increase in the number of inquiries we're getting from international investors who are looking at London's office market. And there are a number of reasons for this. 
as the pandemic plays out, it's obviously having an impact on the global economy. And for many global investors, London isn't a new market. It's a well-trodden path. And historically, the city has been a global safe haven. And we believe that it's likely to resume that position should there be a protracted period of economic contagion because of the pandemic. And if you're thinking about investors from the Middle East, for example, they've got the challenge of the pressures of COVID-19 is creating for economic growth, as well as the collapse in oil prices. For them, looking at a market like London presents the opportunity for wealth preservation and long-term capital gains and returns, which the city has historically offered. And with yields for prime offices in London sitting at between 4 and 4.25% today, those are better than most bond yields globally. And that makes it extremely attractive to overseas investors. And not to mention the currency advantage as well for dollar-denominated investors as sterling is continuing to trade you know, at circa 1.23, 1.24 to the dollar and has been at that level ever since the Brexit referendum. Well, as large proportions of office workers continue to work from home and physical distancing rules mean people will be unable to, of course, cram into lifts to access higher level floors, Canary Wharf District is expected to be among the areas with the biggest shift in demand. Which other areas in London will we see notable changes? It's difficult at this stage to pinpoint where there will be demand shifts. Um, As I mentioned earlier, one of our key challenges in our market is a shortage of supply. And again, one of the things that was happening prior to COVID-19 was the sort of end to geographic loyalty. We saw businesses being drawn to areas based on the availability and quality of space, and there was less emphasis on location. And as that has happened, new submarkets in the city have opened up and become absorbed into what is classed as central London. So places like White City in the west or Stratford in the east are now firmly part of the central London um, office market. And yes, undoubtedly, there will be challenges in the short term around accessing skyscrapers and especially things around the usage of lifts. However, the government has issued guidance on that. And, you know, that only serves to highlight the importance of best in class grade A office space, which is likely to come with the best technology there is available. We've got examples in Asia where next generation buildings already have keyless access for lifts. And I think those technologies are going to be increasingly sought out. And, you know, this focus on best in class office space is reflected in the fact that we're almost seven months into the year now and rents for the best offices for grade A offices in London have actually remained steady throughout this crisis. We're sitting at about £115 a square foot in the West End, about £72.50 a square foot in the city. And whilst these headline rents haven't moved, what we have seen is lease incentives starting to drift. So the rent-free periods, for example, have moved out by three months, typically on your on your 10-year lease. So your net effective um, rents have declined, but you know the, the headline rents have held steady because that focus on best-in-class office space continues. Well, you mentioned environmental social governance. What prominence will this hold for commercial investors in London during and post-COVID? And what is driving the focus around ESG considerations? 
I'll start with the second part of your um, question. So the reason there has been an increased focus on ESG is twofold. First, you've got government intervention that's driving it. The UK government has plans to make the UK carbon neutral by 2050. And as part of that, there are plans to make all commercial buildings in the country meet a certain minimum energy efficiency standard by 2030. And obviously, in many big towns and cities in the country, there are questions being asked, especially given the amount of period property there is out there. In London, for instance, about two thirds of our office stock was completed prior to the year 2000. So notwithstanding refurbishments that have taken place over the last 20 years, there's a lot of brown stock out there that is in need of refurbishment. The flip side of that is the people element. We know that the next generation of the workforce are increasingly green conscious and they're assessing businesses on their green credentials and also assessing businesses on the green credentials of the space that they occupy. And I mentioned earlier about the war for talent and thinking about the volume of brown stock in London going forward, it's quite likely that businesses will start to shy away from buildings that are perceived to do more harm than good to the environment. On the investment side, globally, there's $120 trillion worth of assets that are being managed by funds that have signed up to voluntary climate change disclosures. The former governor of the Bank of England is now leading a new climate change commission at the UN as a special envoy. And we've also had the former Democratic candidate Elizabeth Warren in the States petitioning the SEC to make it mandatory for businesses to declare the impact on climate through investments. So the drumbeat around green issues is only getting louder. And from an investment perspective, investors are also likely to shy away from buildings if there isn't a potential to greenify them in some way. However, for a city like London, that is probably where one of the biggest opportunities lies, is in acquiring a brown building and upgrading its environmental credentials and therefore commanding a rental premium. And thinking about that in the current context of COVID-19, some of our grade B buildings actually tend to have something as simple as openable windows, which help to create fresh air circulation in buildings, which is so important today. And given the need for fresh air in closed spaces, if these buildings are refurbished to a high standard and also have openable windows, that will certainly make them more attractive, at least in the short term, to businesses that are looking to create safe, secure work environments to try and entice workers or encourage workers back into the office. Well, how will the environment and social benefits affect the commercial landscape? Will all buildings be able to adapt to change that meet ESG objectives, especially in a city like London? As I say, two thirds of our office stock was completed prior to the year 2000. So that really is where the biggest opportunity lies, is in converting these buildings. I mean, inevitably, some of these buildings probably face being put on a path to obsolescence as office space because the costs associated with refurbishment may be prohibitive. And so alternative uses may have to be explored. So it's unlikely to work for every building. But certainly, as I say, we've got pressures from the government. You've got pressures on the people front as well. And businesses are greenifying their own ethos. You know, if you take, for example, Shell and BP, the two oil giants recently declaring that they will be carbon neutral by 2050. 
How they go about achieving this remains to be seen, but the message is quite clear to the next generation of the workforce that they are greening their business ethos, which chimes really well with the next generation of workers. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Cityscape Intelligence podcast. For more information on the local and global real estate sector, please visit cityscape-intelligence.com. I'm Tanisha Naidu, and until next time, goodbye.